0: You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production.
1: Twenty years ago, to run a marathon, you had to be a runner. But now, you find out that the regular person, the person your friend is running, everyone can run. Anyone can. I've always said you can train anyone to to be a runner if they want to want to run. It's just about. Increasing their strength in the gym, their power to weight ratio, and boom, and and adjusting, slowly giving them a progressional long runs, and anyone can do it. It's totally a participation sport now.
0: That was John Henwood. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative Happy September, everyone, and welcome to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Can you believe it? It's September, my favorite month besides November, my birthday month. Haha. Ha. Okay, I'm super excited to introduce this week's guest, the globally renowned Olympic runner, entrepreneur, and running coach, John Henwood. You may know him from his racing team, the Henwood Hounds, and his outdoor running classes at Mile High Run Club in New York City. John and I caught up back in July about where running began for him as a child and when he decided to go pro. We discussed how he is now shifting gears in training for his many athletes as races around the world are being canceled. He talks about his superstar athlete, Mary Kane. John also shares a few of his go-to run sessions and so much more. Before we dive into this episode, just a quick reminder. Sign up for the Marnie on the Move newsletter to discover great products, guests, and giveaways. Follow me on Zwift and Strava and share the episodes you like on social with your friends. Also, if you like what you hear, leave a review on Apple. Every review counts. Simply go over to the app on your phone, scroll through the Marnie on the Move episodes, click on five stars, click on write a review, and tell us what you love. And as always, a word about our sponsor, Mad Ritual CBD, who, in addition to their great CBD bomb, just introduced CBD-infused bath bombs. More about Mad Ritual. Today's episode is fueled by Mad Ritual CBD. Mad Ritual CBD has changed my recovery game in a really big way. Get ready to recover like a rebel with these awesome, high-quality, CBD-infused products. Their CBD balm is off-the-charts amazing. And I'm not the only one that thinks so. Mad Ritual has 100-plus five-star reviews. The balms have five simple organic ingredients, coconut oil, shea butter, olive oil, plant wax, CBD, and different blends of essential oils. Personally, I prefer the eucalyptus and peppermint. They also offer a terrific CBD-infused total recovery supplement. Not just for athletes, the products are formulated to ease all of the aches and pains that come along with being an active human. So, if you are sore from life, Mad Ritual gets it. Founded by women athletes and active entrepreneurs, they are committed to helping active folks bring more balance to their lives. Mad Ritual is offering Marnie on the Move listeners 15% off. Head over to their website madritual.com and use the code Marnie on the Move. Now, on to the episode. Where did running begin for you?
1: Running began, well, geez, I was probably like 12 years old, going to a cross-country. Obviously, I was brought up on a farm. I went to a school of 50 people in the whole school. In New Zealand, right? In New Zealand, yeah. Yeah. From the ages of like 5 to 12, and would go and do little cross countries against other schools and i mean i love sport right being a kid and all the way even in through my teens so i really wanted to excel in in sport but cross country yeah i think it was when i just showed up and ended up sick and it was just that feeling of actually being really good at it that more so i mean i enjoyed it but it I think when you're that age, it just was so cool to be really good at something and, like beat everyone. Um, so it was kind of like, you know, I actually enjoyed team sports more like soccer, um, some rugby and cricket, um, but actually beating everyone was, was much fun. And then uh, of course, as I got up through sort of 12, 13, 14 years old, dad was kind of taking me everywhere. All different types of sport sports, like rugby, soccer, badminton, yeah, and Dad was like, hey, I can't tuck you everywhere. you got to choose one. <laughs> and so I actually ended up about 14 years old just trying track and field. I joined this little team called Hutton's Franklin Athletic Club. And then it started from there. And even through my teens, I did it because I was, I mean, I enjoyed it, but because I was really good at it, but then it becomes, it becomes a point where you just love being super fit. Yeah. And then you, you just end, end up just really enjoying running itself so it's that sort of low teens team pressure to be really good at something to suddenly like wow I really do I really love this I really love being able to run all day playing soccer and or in terms of like say lunchtime we have our lunch breaks for school and I love the feeling of just being able to run all day everyone's getting tired except myself you know right right (laughs) I love being fit it kind of went from there but I mean hey I'm I'm 6'5". I was 6'5 when I was 17, really skinny. So I just shot straight up and it took me a while to kind of just sort of mature out a little bit. It was really getting to the gym and doing strength work when I was about 17 years old starting that and developing that over over my strength to hold my height my six foot five frame right before I really started being something on sort of the national scene you know in New Zealand Right.
0: you have a Um, lot of national races that you've placed in it's like an incredible roster of races
1: yeah yeah so I was like 19 when I saw first represented New Zealand and we went to Japan like five years a row in a row and did like Chiba Ekiden Relay, they invited New Zealand team They had like 16, 17 countries every year. And that was, yeah, really exciting. And it was sponsored by ASICs pretty much from the start to about 33. So from about 18, 19 years old. But hey, sponsorship there, that means like getting clothes for free in New Zealand. It's not like really get a stipend. Right. And that's when it took off. In
0: 1994 was when you did the Chiba International Relay in Japan. That was your first yeah, one.
1: The first one, yeah. Living about then, exactly. And then there were like five years in a row that I went back and we and we did it. The New Zealand team, we actually got third, I think, the, the fifth year. We finished third out of 18 countries and met some incredibly fast runners and got to, yeah, it was a really fun scene. And the Japanese looked after you so well.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. And then you were in the Athens Olympic Games in 2004.
1: Yeah, so that took some time, so first it was Commonwealth Games in 2000, uh, actually the World Championships 2001 in Canada, Edmonton, which is the same standard as to get to the Olympics, but it just happened to be not on an Olympic year, Um, so then uh, 2002 was the Commonwealth Games, all the Commonwealth countries in Manchester, and then uh, the Olympics in 2004, it took some time to get there. But I persevered, and you know the whole goal in the sport, and even for, for me and to, for everyone, is just to kind of do as best as you can. I think you just have your own individual goals, and just hope for the best. And you no, know, I ended up managing to qualify and get and get there.
0: That's amazing. That's incredible. Flash forward. You've also had some great times in the New York City Marathon.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think well with the, the ten thousand meters. I mean, um, I mean, my arc I always had, at the track in the Olympics. I always had these Achilles problems going on, and I decided that to be my last kind of track race because uh, the Achilles was just, you know, I was coming up to 32 at the time, and the, I just the Achilles had kind of had enough for the track. So I thought I'd, yeah, at, at the Olympics, and so I thought I'm going to when I came to New York, which I visited a friend on the way to the Olympics, and then. It's kind of how I ended up here, got myself an athlete visa, and ran for New York Athletic Club, and they would kind of fly me around the country, and I'd pick up, you know, basically running for some money and winning half marathons here and there around the country right. in 2005, and then that led me to my first marathon, where actually I went back New Zealand, and, you know, and it was the Gold Coast Marathon. It was like 2.17, and then uh, New York City Marathon. 13th place which i was really three months later yeah and um and and that was 215 and i was very excited by that and uh lots yeah only a couple more marathons to be honest i was more of a track runner but um i just have massive pronation where my feet sort of land on the outside come hit and hit the inside and after about 17 18 miles my feet are really on fire so I've always had feet like that, which don't show in my running style. I've got a nice running style, but podiatrists have always gone. I have no idea how this guy runs fast.
0: Right. <laughs> I recently like... did my a running analysis with Columbia Run Lab with Dr. Colleen Bruff. I did my running analysis, and I mean, I knew I was. I didn't have great form anyway to begin with. I mean, and. Obviously, I say that like not, yeah, I knew my form. I mean, you know, I knew my form wasn't amazing, because I know I have a lot of work to do. But I it was a game changer to know your form and then to know what your capabilities are based on that and how you can improve. I'm definitely a medial collapser, but my mind powers me through. But I shouldn't be doing marathons until I can fix that, technically, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's just getting in and doing a, a really good strength routine and then getting into a good pair of orthotics as well.
0: Do you wear orthotics?
1: Yeah, a hun- 100%. And the thing is, it's my landing and my frame where I'm incredibly injury prone, like six foot five with massive pronation. Like, r- you know, you wouldn't say it as I said, If I was running along, I don't look awful, but if I didn't, you know, my ankles were literally coming towards and touching the ground. Like I have such a massive pronation, but then I'd learn, I often got injured, but I learned so much about keeping my body from getting injured as well. And by getting it stronger that that's what I'm able to carry to my athletes. So it's been, it was tough on my running career, but a blessing for my work. Right. as a, as a coach, because I'm able to not really just give, um, coaching plans, but also proper strength training plans and fix a lot of things that are going on in people's body and workout while they're getting, why they're getting injured. And so that helps with having a, you know, successful, um, finishing rate and different from my athletes and marathons and stuff and, uh, in races. So it, um, yeah, it's a, it's a blessing in terms of my injuries and how much I learn. Right. Nothing like an under- that experience.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially, like like, understanding your form, your mechanics, and your gait, yeah. and, like, how your foot is striking the ground and your contact angles and all of that is really eye-opening and a game-changer for runners. Yeah.
1: No, exactly. Just to know what's going on. And you can instantly do it. Now, I find myself like looking at people when they're running and just going, oh, okay, I see what that person's, what's going on. Oh, that person must have an injury. Uh, That, you know, if you've got the tight hip flexors, you kind of work out what injuries that person is susceptible to getting and, uh, and how that person can get faster. And I find myself doing that all the time, just walking along now. And I'm like, I've got to stop looking at that. It's just a natural reaction.
0: So did you, when you shifted your focus for your running when you were younger and you were, you know, after the Olympics and you started thinking about your form and like what you would be successful, you know, after the Olympics and then, you know, doing yep. the marathons, you started sort of like you took that sort of like mindset and approach around your training. Like you wanted to keep running, but yeah. and you didn't want to be injured, but you wanted to have exactly. fun and be successful.
1: Exactly. And to be honest, I've done that all my life because... I got injured a lot and all my life I get an injury. I learn and I prevent it and I make sure it doesn't come back, but then I get another one. Right. But, and it's, it's not easy. Just as I said, with my, um, my gait, uh, uh, should I say foot plant and just my height, six foot five, you've just got to, and shifting your body at big, at really good speeds, obviously, like I'm sure I would probably be the, world record holder for the tallest, fastest 10K runner, that means you're just so more susceptible for, for injury. So you learn all the time. So you, after all those years of being a like a professional athlete, you you just take that, you start training people, and then you're able to just know what's going on automatically when they get aches and pains. A lot of the injuries are actually different injuries, but they come from exactly the same problem different symptoms, same cause. And so, yeah, that's, and you, you learn that. Right. Um, And especially New Yorkers, they're different. Even from where I grew up, New Zealanders sort of like, you know, we, we work eight hour days, New Yorkers work 10, 12 hour days. So they're sitting hunched over in the office, um, getting tight through their hip flexes, uh, their psoas, you know, and their stomach muscle and lower back, Right through to their glutes and down there, you just learn running is completely the opposite to the way they're sitting. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be up nice and tall, pelvis forward and chest out. and and so they're more, I think the working environment, working ten or twelve hour days means they need to do more stretching and strengthening to not get injured here. Just there's more stress going on in their body through the day, you know?
0: Before you do a run, it's important to do some drills that are, Dynamic stretching and really, like, get your glutes and your hamstrings and everything, like, fired up and ready to go.
1: Exactly. And your body out nice and straight. Like, just, say, kneeling on one knee with the foot forward doing your hip flexor stretch and your arm up in the air stretching through your psoas because all day you've crunched over. Right. So, you you don't – you want your running form up nice and straight when you're running. And all that leads to different problems, but it's the same course. Right, um, so it's, yeah, the the dynamic stretches after work or if you're running after work or just before a run are important.
0: And I've been, I mean, I think now that we are all sort of, you know, now that we've been quarantined and all of these races have been cancelled, and especially you know, obviously the New York City Marathon was just canceled, yep. you know everybody's kind of bummed out, but at the same time, this is a a good time to think about having fun with your running, maybe, Focusing on your form and technique. I mean, what are you, are are those some of the things that you're telling athletes and like, what are some other ideas for people?
1: No, I mean, it's, it's difficult times because when this happened, I had some athletes that were training for someone, something like Boston or, Mm -hmm. you know, a winter marathon or something that were really in great shape for them. They were in their best shape and they've done all this training and there's no races on. So you know you start saying okay well let's do a we had 5k time trials and a 10k time trial we're doing the track and they'd be pring in those and running the best in those and then we just had a mile time trial finish like a couple of weeks ago but now it's like starting over again right they did all that training just for those time trials and now it's now what and last month we had marathons to shoot for like i was thinking new york wasn't going to be on i'm I thinking know. any big marathon wasn't going to be on but i yeah. was thinking maybe you know the hamptons or wine glass or something like that and uh now wine glass was canceled today mm-hmm. uh the, the hamptons were canceled the other week so now it's like i'm in the ready to write their july programs to get them into some possible either like a maintenance program or marathon training and we're going through that kind of now like Maybe it's about all choosing one race as a team and going for it and um, making it, you know, it might end up being a virtual race, but and make it a, your team club champs, which would be kind of cool having right. 50, 60 people from there. And they can bring the some swag from a, some partners
0: event. or something, yeah. you know, something fun.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's all you can do um there's relays that you can there's um like the speed project relay which Mm -hmm. we might be interested in and um you can have your own team relays i think you've just got to yeah you've got to think we're we're in the middle of thinking of something right now actually it's an
0: athlete you have a certain amount of fitness in your body and it doesn't last forever like you have a time right that's why you're training you have like a time to race
1: yeah it's periodization right like if you Like, if we started in February and oh, there's a marathon in December and you're getting fitter and fitter, I mean, you don't, you need a break or you're going to be burnt out. So that's why you have to break it down. That's why I was like, okay, guys, you've done all this training and now we need to race you before you burn out. So let's go for these time trials, then give you a break and ramp up July, August for a marathon because, yeah, there's, it's, there's a time to build a base and then Mm -hmm. you're adding obviously speed endurance and speed and, and then you're doing your race and you're only going to run your best if it's like a four to five, four, four and a half really months of, of, of a periodization plan, you know, anything more than that, you're going to be burnt out. So, and it's been really hard to actually plan that for my runners because we don't know what's going to be on and what's not. So, it's kind of like, yeah, you got to just keep them fit.
0: I was trying to think of it for myself. I personally am not going to do any more races until summer or fall of 2021. Yeah. I just personally, like I want to wait until, because I'm a little bit like on that paranoid side, I want to wait until there's some kind of solution for COVID so I can really avoid being in close contact with people. So what would be some good goals that you might suggest for someone who's like not planning to race for a year, but to maintain fitness.
1: I think just building base. It's important to take over. It's really depending on the, on the person a lot, but an area maybe that you're weak in. It's like some clients would be great to build their strength, like their power to rate ratio in the gym, except there's no gym open.
0: (laughs) So go to central park and run on the Hill.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Um. I think it, Okay, the 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 most important thing is to have some kind of so say so you don't have a race, but then you need to make up one, because a lot of people, in other words, a time trial, right, or, or something, or a virtual race, you need right. that to have that motivation to train properly. It's really hard to get out there, and I mean, you could just run, right? You have a choice of just going out right. and running, yeah, but that's, that's kind of going to go so, so like for the rest of the year till 2021, that's going to be like ticking over, keeping somewhat fit. You could do that and run a four times a week and strength train in your apartment just to tick over. But I feel like if you want to be, um, if you want to get better and you, you need that drive, you need a goal at the end of it. And it can't be 2021. So I think, it's about setting yourself um, up a virtual race. There's plenty of stuff online. Yeah. There's a lot of these races have gone virtual. I think that's important if you want to obtain sort of some PR or goal and train to train properly because it's it's very hard to get out there and train like yeah. strong without a goal. I so, was thinking,
0: you know, some goals that I was just thinking would be like okay, by so we're in, you know, six months, right? Six months from now. Yeah. I would love to, I would do some virtual stuff, like just by myself even, you know, it doesn't have to be a a virtual race with rock and roll or a virtual race with Iron Man or, you know, any kind of like Strava related, like I'm, but this is just me. I mean, I'm sure there, I have some listeners that maybe they need to do the virtual race that would be helpful for them to stay motivated, which I think the virtual races are great, but I'm perfectly happy to go run by myself.
1: You're right. And what's really fun, which people don't get a, a chance to do actually, is track. If yes. you can get to the track, I know, and avoid some of this. you got to get there early, like yes. 7 in the morning. The virtual time trials I did with my runners, they weren't actually from any races other than the Brooklyn Mile. So the Mile was like, I gave them the option to just, it's going to be that weekend, sign up for the Mile. But well, to be honest, I don't think any of them did. They were like, no, nah, I just want to do this for fun, my yeah. way. The 5K and the 10K – it was like, hey, guys, how about it's it's uh, May, how about we put in a 10K here and a 5K three weeks later, and I'll start writing you specific track sessions to get you up to speed so that you run a really good 5K and 10K. And they really enjoyed that because they're not used to doing things like that. They're always right. used to half marathons and marathon training. Mm-hmm. So they enjoyed the the real speed work in the track sessions and getting them to get a little faster. And honestly, it only takes a few sessions before your body adapts to those, that real sort of mile pace speed, um, uh, one mile race pace speed. And then all of a sudden, yeah, they they definitely, it's really, it's different and they really can surprise themselves um, on how fast they can run say a mile or even a 5k on the track.
0: I do love the track so much.
1: Yeah, it's so much fun, right?
0: You know, when I run, I'm usually doing half marathons whether it's an actual half marathon or a half marathon that's part of a triathlon. But my favorite part of running is doing speed work. Yeah. It's just, it mixes things up. I feel like it's fun. I'm eventually, I'm going to do some more marathons and I'd like to kind of, I've just been like resetting goals and Mm -hmm. thinking like, what is realistic and what can I achieve and what can I do and what will excite me, right? So I'm always wanting to get faster and I love doing speed work. So maybe doing more of that, but I do, but you're right, like you do need, like a goal to work towards like anything else right Mm -hmm. i also want to like work on being more consistent you know it's a good idea would be like working on being more consistent with my running so instead of running once or twice a week which i'm not like i'm not a runner though you know like i'm doing i'm running two to three times a week i'm cycling two to three times a week i was swimming (laughs) yeah you know so that's just me i mean i i understand that if you want to be really good at something, you need to do it more than three times a week. Um,
1: yeah, you need a plan. Yeah, a plan yeah. holds you accountable, right? If it's yeah, if it's like a hot day or at the end of the day and you're tired, it's like oh, I'll just run tomorrow. But without a plan, you're like okay, I've got to get this running. I like the so, idea of
0: the five Ks and the ten Ks, and then also going, you know, going to the track and doing it there. Yeah. As a time trial.
1: Yeah. So much fun.
0: When did you shift gears from being a professional athlete to coaching professional athletes and starting your own business?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, first it was as I was getting towards the end of making some money from running, you know, 2006, something like that, 2006, 2007, the shift in the sport really got me going. Like, you know over the last 20 years people that run half marathons or especially marathons i mean 20 years ago they were just fit runners they were runners runners ran not people right, right. it was always like yeah. runners runners ran but then people have worked out that anyone can run i've always said that i could train absolutely anyone to run a marathon and and so and people have discovered that like their their friends are running marathons and the person didn't look like a marathon runner and they're like well if 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 they can do it I can do it yeah and it's kind of that pyramid effect so running has become a sport for everyone it's like everyone is like wow I, I want to run a marathon they and it's just about doing it and it's obviously about I've have had plenty of people like especially at Mile High Run Club but say for instance Mile High Run Club compared to my team there's so many like it's really picked up about of people that want to run these half marathons and marathons. We have the outdoor training group where I'm looking after that, where we had like 125 for uh, Brooklyn half, which got canceled, but New York city marathon, we had a hundred. It's been going up like 20 a year.
0: That's and great.
1: Probably about 60 of them, or at least 60% to 70% have never ran a half marathon or, or a marathon before. Their friend has, so they think that's that's their goal. It's their they just want to tick it off, and that never used to be.
0: Which is great because more people are being healthy and athletic. Exactly,
1: yeah. And obviously, with these people, who might they're just normal, regular people who might go to the gym a couple of times a week and maybe run twice a week, and they want to run a marathon. And so it's about increasing their power to weight ratio, right? So you get them in the gym, you're strengthening them up, and and you do that first or on the way as they start building their miles, and then they, and and you just take it up very, very gradually. And it's like, wow, I can't believe it. I mean, I'm able to run. This is the, every weekend. It's my longest run, and I never thought I could do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of works like that. And I was like...
0: So you noticed that there was this huge proliferation and a boom in the world of running where it was going well beyond professional and elite athletes and it became this mecca for people just to stay fit.
1: Exactly. I mean I always thought and you know, twenty years ago to run a marathon you had to be a runner, but now you find out that the regular person, the person, your friend, is running. Everyone can run. Yes. Anyone can have always said you can train anyone to to be a runner if they wanna wanna run. It's just about Increasing their strength in the gym, their power to weight ratio, and boom, and, and adjusting, slowly giving them uh, a prog- progressional long runs, and, all, and and anyone can do it. It's totally so a participation sport now.
0: When you started, did you start with the Henwood Hounds? Was that the name of your run club? Actually,
1: no. Actually, when I started, um, I just started coaching. So I just, I didn't really have a team. I ran for New York Athletic Club. And, um, I had a few runners from, it was moving comfort at that time. Um, and then I started sort of getting my own team, but I did it more for a participation, sort of a group camaraderie thing, not a big thing. It Mm -hmm. was more like I I was coaching people from other teams. Um, and then a couple ran for my team, you know, it was just kind of like that, but then all of a sudden my team just got bigger. And then the moving comfort, the three or four really good runners from there kind of just decided, hey, you've been coaching me for long enough, so we'll just become a hound. And then it kind of went from there. Like I still actually coach a few people that aren't, a couple of dashing whippets, that, that even New York Athletic Club that aren't on my team, but the rest are just on my team.
0: And your team is the Henwood Hounds?
1: The Henwood Hounds Racing Team, yeah. We're certainly in the A division, and in and the, in the men's and the women's, and um, we do really well. But I'm very—I never force um, any of my runners to run like a team points race, except for the club champs. I like our, the best guy, the best people to show up for that, mm-hmm. um, if possible. But other than that, it, the race has to fit their goal. You know, they're paying me a monthly fee when they want to plan, only when they want to plan, mm-hmm. and so. My whole goal was getting them their results, right? And so I'm not forcing them to run certain races for the team. If the if the race fits and it fits their overall plan to hit their main goal, hit their hit their race, then yeah, we try and we try and uh, make we make that work. But that's why you get on my team on the score sheet. You get either like a first, which the team has finished first in the New York City Marathon core, or you get a zero because we didn't score because it didn't fit the the plan.
0: So does the team usually race together?
1: No, individual. And then I think you need five to make up a team in a points race. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we get it and sometimes we don't. And it just doesn't bother me too much because everyone has their own individual goal. So it's like, yeah. That's that's the main thing.
0: And so then, when did you you had a, a running studio, right? You were like one of the yeah. when you we met when I was working with Mile High Run Club and Deborah yep. had yep. bought the second studio and you you kind of like teamed up with her. But before that, you had your own running studio, which is very innovative, um, by the way.
1: Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, we sort of with the the running studio, obviously. Deborah and Mile High were doing something obviously Mile High Run Club and I was doing um, the run and I wanted to do something on the treadmills where we had a third party guy um, actually come in and make the treadmills go faster, slower, up and down without you touching any buttons so that I just thought I would, it would be great because then no one could slack off, you know, I I could control their slow pace. I could control their fast pace based on an algorithm in my head really like i just have a an uh, out from coaching for a long time if someone's telling me they're running a certain pace on a long run or have done a certain fu- a race at a certain time then i'm able to light bulbs go off on my head well then you should be able to do this for this time or you should be able to do intervals at this pace or a long run at this pace you know what i mean so yeah so i have this algorithm and i stuck it in the treadmill and the the treadmill, yeah, it worked well. I mean, it went up, down, fast or slow without you touching a button. You'd sort of, the instructor would kind of basically say, okay, guys, three, two, one, hit the start button and and away you go. You know, your profile would already be, would actually be, you would go in and you'd put your profile, you'd open up your profile and it would have your normal running pace. So everything is based on your normal running pace.
0: Oh, that's so cool. So,
1: it worked well, but hey, you need you need the right team. We and then we opened up at the at the wrong time of the year. By the time we opened up, and Class ClassPass come in and eat you eat you alive.
0: Yes. <laughs> and
1: so we got a good rating on Class Pass, but we just decided that, um, you know, we we were it was just there, there, we had a long way to catch back up and and, and do well with it. So that's why High uh, Run Club came along and acquired us.
0: That's great, though I remember. I'm being, part,
1: I'm being part with part of them for a while. And yeah. you run their outdoor running program as well. Run their outdoor, yeah. I used to teach indoor there.
0: I've taken some of your classes at Mile High Run Club. I was lucky enough to take some because you're an awesome coach.
1: Oh, thank, thanks very much. Yeah, but I'm, I'm happy. I love their outdoor program and it's, a, it's a cool team and it, it's fun. There's something, I mean, I, I, love the treadmills from the run. Yeah. There's something more authentic for the coach in terms of coaching when it comes to just them doing it themselves rather than the treadmill going up and down by itself. So yeah. if I could do it all again, I probably wouldn't go for the, just as a coach from a coach perspective.
0: Right. Like I you like the way they do
1: the technology. Yeah, yeah. The
0: treadmills work just yeah. people adjust it at their own rate at, Mile exactly. Club. Yeah. Everything has a place. The treadmills have a place for training, just like being outdoors or being on the track. And there's all different kinds of running that people can be doing at any given time.
1: Yeah. No, totally. So
0: since we're like in this whole like conversation around training and business and entrepreneurship, is there any sort of parallels that you've seen that are like really stand out between entrepreneurship and coaching and being an athlete?
1: I mean, certainly taking chances the passion and the, and the drive and just going for it i mean um you know you're taking risks right you're putting a lot into one thing whether you're putting uh, a lot into just being a, just training right or just trying to be an olympic athlete or be a professional athlete you know in new zealand you don't really get paid for that being a new zealander as i said i've got ASICs, i got sponsored uh got free gear but other than that I'm giving up a a lot of income because, I mean, I went to school, did a four year, uh, diploma in sports studies, but, and I'm working in a gym just to support my running and my goal. So you, you really just taking risks by going, you're taking a risk when you bring an entrepreneur and opening up a business and, and you've just, yeah, I think I see the drive and the, and the risks, but you just got to go for it. It's part of life. And so whether it's being an Olympic athlete and taking a, a whack in salary because you don't get paid much just because you want to get to the Olympics or being an entrepreneur, which is also risky. So I think it's life. you got to go for it. It's better than just status quo, kind of just cruising along, right? If you smell something that you really believe in, you just go for it.
0: Yeah, you have to. You yeah. have to be all in.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: And speaking of all in, I mean, you and back to like your career as a coach, I mean, you've worked with some of the most incredible athletes in the world, Mm -hmm. including Mary Kane.
1: Yeah, no, she's fantastic. Obviously, I've known her well for eight years now. I got approached by Alberto Salazar, obviously, like eight years ago to look after her when she was in New York. And I mean, she was, yeah, she's an incredible runner and very fast. And, of course, obviously, she she was doing great. She went over there. She became a professional athlete. She had just had some hard times, and, and now we're we're on our way back. She's back in New York, so she had some hard times over there for a few years. Yeah. She did become world junior champion at 17, over 3K. Uh, actually, about 18 years old, I think, she when she did that. But she also made the world championship senior final at the world champs at 17, which is the equivalent of the Olympic final. At right. 17, I think that's the youngest to ever make a final of a distance event in a, in a major championship. So she she did a lot in her early parts of her career, and then she just got beaten up a little bit. But you know, I mean, her running is it's not a hole in one, right? It's not a it's not a fluke. Yeah. So she's it's talented. About bringing her back. Yeah. Yeah. She obviously had some issues with uh, stress fractures and bone density and would take a while to heal in terms of her bones. So, I mean, she's definitely too fast for anyone else for in, in New York Yeah. in terms of female in New York City and for any of the teams, including my team. And so I'm having her, as she gets stronger and faster, hook up with New Jersey, New York Track Club with Gabs they have pretty much the fastest guys in, in the New York area. And, I you know, I need to get her in there with with Gabs and needs to be a team effort with coaching her. And I'm, you know, which is giving them the reins a little bit, but they still want me in charge of her as a coach right now. But, hey, whatever happens, I'm all about Mary, right? And, and Mary's career, they're really the only ones that I think can help her get, back to the next level and under, but of course I'm directing it. I'm writing the plans. I'm, but if, if they're doing a session that works, I'm. they're happy for me to bring her along. And it did happen actually just before COVID, we did a few sessions with them and she really improved well in her 3K time. She started getting back there.
0: Running with a group of athletes at her level makes a huge difference in the training
1: exactly females that are her, at her level and they're really good sessions so there's a group of them on the track as well well when she when she went there we went up to the armory and sh- she needs that I got her in with them to get her to a certain level and now she's she had a little took a little break as COVID arrived Yeah. so yeah
0: so many people uh, went next- to the Atlanta trials and came back sick with COVID I just like that just reminds me of that
1: Yeah, they
0: did? A few people I know, yeah, including Uh, Matt Fitzgerald.
1: Okay, oh, wow. He was on Uh, the
0: podcast like two weeks ago. I mean, I interviewed him a while back, but he was saying that he like went to the Olympic trials. He was in Atlanta and on the plane ride back, he just got sick and he was sick for months, he said, and he finally just started running again. Like, and now he's doing all kinds of crazy shit.
1: Yeah, I've had a few on my team with it as before. Like, yeah, have so, it, have
0: any of your athletes had COVID in the? Yeah, yeah. there's
1: been a couple. There's been, I think, two. I'm just thinking of one, two, uh, two on my team. One that's kind of current. Yeah, that in terms of she, it's over, but she's currently on my team. The other one actually just moved.
0: <laughs> and how are they coming back to running?
1: Yeah, she's going okay. She's on a plan now, so she took about four weeks off. Mm-hmm. and the other one, as I said, is now living, was on my team, but has actually just moved to another country um, Yeah, not really doing much. I think he was asymptomatic, actually. Okay. Yeah.
0: How yeah. are you training athletes now with COVID, in, not with COVID, but how um, are you working with your clients right now?
1: Yeah, my one-on-one, like normally I work out of core fitness, doing strength training and fixing their issues, trying to get them stronger, but uh, we do a lot of it now on uh, Zoom strength Zoom strength sessions. Mm -hmm. So I do about 15 of those. Other than that, it's kind of, you know, 50 or 60 people on plans. That's the way it goes. Pretty much maintenance plans it has been. And the marathon plans we're going to start right now in July. Yeah. We're having a big discussion (laughs) about that.
0: Well, because, I mean, if the New York City marathon is canceled, then I think that's going to set the tone for any other marathons that are like yeah
1: I for me yeah. it's more New York City was always because you've got you've got 50,000 people yeah. and so I didn't think that was so much going to set the tone the one the ones where I thought we're going to set the tone were the small ones right if the small yeah. ones cancelled like soon as the Hamptons were cancelled a couple yeah. of weeks ago
0: that's I in September like, oh, right damn it. yeah
1: uh, sorry yeah because I was like okay well New York's a month away. That's definitely hanging by a thread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then all the smaller ones you knew as well. Yeah, so, yeah, we're looking at some we, – as I said, we're looking at something virtual and trying to come up with something right yeah. now that's going to make it more of a team – aspect
0: I kind of I kind of miss that about I I always try to find friends to train with or run with or sort of like around my pace and even you know even when I'm out on my bike like I'll ride with people even if they're not my pace like we'll just like meet up at Strictly Bikes or we'll meet up at the market or we like just knowing there's other people that you're friends with that are out there Um, yeah so creating like the team is I would feel more connected to something like that even like you know as opposed to like Strava, I don't know. I love Strava, but yeah. I'm just saying, you know, yeah.
1: No, true. Although that's how I check a lot of my runners. <laughs> I have them on Strava, and I you make do. sure that they're kind of hitting their paces and their longer runs as well. Um, we have a like I think the best long run group in the city, where we meet at sort of eight thirty in Engineers Gate, and but I, I basically email all my runners on a Saturday from my team and say, hey guys, we're meeting for a long run. Uh, let me know who's coming, and I'll. And I end up sort of telling them at the end of the day, if no one, their pace is showing up so they can go and do their run on their own. But if everyone usually does have someone, their pace, and so they show up and I split them into their groups, and mm-hmm. which is now going to be social distancing groups, Yeah. Um, and away they go. So that's the cool thing. Well, we're just getting back that started again last week.
0: Yeah, last what are the pieces pretty that pretty your healthy. runners are doing, typically? Um
1: yeah, I've got a bunch of guys obviously doing six fifty seven minute pace, um even uh, for their long runs and then then there's another group doing probably seven thirty and another group doing eight and then sort of eight thirty. I think they're kind of most of the, but it depends on who shows up. You right. know? but that's kind of the range probably. And like, it's what's the long run? Um, it depends on what's on their plan. So they all have different um, long runs, right? Depending on what they're training for. Right. They all just peel off at their own when, yeah. when it's up on their plan. Yeah. Um, but it could be it could be anything over sort of uh, 80, 90 minutes they show up. Um, but it might go for like two hours, which I mean, it could go for 16 to 18 miles. Right. Yeah. Somewhere between sort of 10 and 20 miles
0: we've established that there's not a specific race but you're going to come up with some virtual like group things that you'll start yeah. training them for so then yeah. you'll you'll work on their weekly mileage leading up to yeah. that yeah
1: exactly so the first thing is when they want to program as we talk about what they're going to train for like i can't write a program without knowing what they're training for unless it's just a maintenance and then you fit in there other races that will work that you know i don't like to race too close together that will work. And then you put in the training after that. That's how it kind of, kind of
0: works. And so now I have a question for, you know, you're doing all these long runs and you know, there's not like you're doing long runs, you're doing track workouts, either way, like New York City. And I think a lot of cities, like there's no water on the streets, like the water fountains aren't working. And even if they were, I don't think people are going to be drinking from them. And Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about hydration and it's summer. And so do you have like certain, do you recommend like, you know, the Nathan, like any of those running vests or water, handheld water bottles, or what do you do for staying hydrated in the summer for runners?
1: They all have their own, what they like. And, you know, some camelbacks, some they're hanging on to uh, something uh, when they're running. I mean, a lot of them have, put their bottles around behind, you know, hid their bottles, but good point. I'm not sure I'm going to advise that anymore, right? I mean, yeah. you're putting your bottle around behind the little, that little uh, shed there in Engineer's Gate where they do it and then they do 40 minute run. they come back and drink from their bottle. It might not be a wise thing. So yeah, some of them do that or they'll just carry something with them on them. And that's super important with this hot weather. That's going to have to happen. I used to do it with six, sometimes six or four. Yeah, four little water b- little bottles wrapped around me with a, a waist belt, a belt, you know, a drinking right. belt. Right. And you would drink every 20, 30 minutes and uh, four to five ounces, I'd do it that way. Um,
0: do you take salt tablets or use noon or scratch?
1: I don't, well, but some of my athletes do. Mm-hmm. And I never, and I, I never. Everyone's very different with their yes. stomach, mm-hmm. so I never have a perfect formula for them. I mean, I've definitely I have athletes that are sweating a lot and losing a lot. I get them on salt tablets, definitely. Mm-hmm. But other than that, there's no real formula. They work that out themselves, and I get them to, to to try different formulas. I get them to discuss at a at a running store because they're they're coming out with new stuff all the time.
0: Yeah, like gels and all that stuff. Yeah
1: yeah, I haven't done a marathon for so long.
0: What's your distance now? Like, what do you like to run for uh, yourself?
1: Well, I've, I think I've ran, raced once in the last few years, but it's the shorter the better. Right. I mean, yeah, a 5k or five mile. I would love to get back, but it's just very hard. I'm just physically, you know, I'm just doing a lot. Right. And, uh, but so I'm just usually running, but if if the body feels great sometime, I'm sure I would love to get back, but I just kind of, just go with it right now, you know, just run along and wait. You run with your athletes on. sometimes,
0: right? Like you'll just yeah, run. Yeah, totally. So, yeah.
1: So even on the Sunday long runs, I'll meet them and often go for a run with them and change between groups more because, yeah, I mean, it's hard to hang on to the – I can hang on to the 6.50, seven minute group for maybe 90 minutes now, but – but uh, yeah, I, I would need to get into better shape to yeah. do that. Other than that, I'm just mixing it up with everyone. And
0: speaking of getting into shape, you also, we talked a little bit about it, but you do strength training. Do you have like certain exercises that you think every runner should be doing?
1: Oh, 100%. Bulgarian split squats. Okay. They're, yeah. I mean, obviously planks, side planks, some of the band stuff. You know, like monster uh, walks.
0: But
1: yeah. Yeah. but But that's. I mean, you can do side leg raises instead of that as well, but definitely the Bulgarian split squats, I think that's a, a biggie for runners and even just standing on one foot and touching your toes, you know, going down and touching your toes, going to like a Superman. Yeah, there's a few, there's a few that would, you've got to focus on balance, your glutes and your core, right. the, the, the things you need the biggest things you need
0: i know it's very specific to like a distance or a runner but like do you have any go-to yeah sessions like a, a track session or a long run session that you might recommend for fun something
1: i've always liked and pretty simple is three minutes on two minutes off like three minutes so you warm it up do your stretches strides and then three minutes at like say 80 percent effort or four mile race pace or something like that and the two minutes off, this is the tricky part, is they're not a jog. Your two minutes off is actually at your normal running pace. Oh. So it ends up being a strength session, even though it's just three minutes. sounds like speed. Those two minutes off to just run at nor- your normal running pace is quite tough because you want to take a break.
0: And you can do that for like 20, 30 minutes or for um, an hour. So you do that yeah.
1: times eight. So it's a like it's a 40-minute workout. And that really gets you in crazy. You might want to start off doing it times six or five or six and then go to seven and eight, uh, you know, the next couple of weeks. But I find that's a great work. It lifts up your aerobic threshold, you know, because that two minutes off it's your heart rate's not going to come down very much. Right. Um, You're trying to keep your heart rate just under Mm. your aerobic threshold, which is kind of like your fitness line to lift that aerobic threshold. So you uh, your fitter. So you need to train under that aerobic threshold just under for as much as possible without sort of the wear and tear on the body. And so those two minutes, if you, if you run at that pace, when you start up again, like your interval, you hit your aerobic threshold a lot quicker. And yes. so, yeah, so it's you're, you're you spend more time up there. So it's, it's a really good session.
0: That sounds like a fun session. I might try that and that you don't need to be on a track to do that you could do that anywhere yeah anywhere you live like three minutes aerobic yep. threshold yep. two minutes regular run pace
1: exactly and I, another one is I like you might want to do three mile tempo just at sort of 10 mile half marathon race pace and then take a five minute break and then step it up and run three times a k with you know a minute or minute or 90 seconds rest between each and make those k's kind of 5k or 4 mile to 10k race pace, maybe that's 20 to 25 seconds per mile faster than what you were running the tempo speed.
0: Okay. That's a good one too.
1: So that's a good workout too. About that second session, I like to shift gears where you're running more tempo and then getting faster at the end, right? With the faster intervals rather than necessarily going fast than tempo so it just you're you're just more warmed up for the fast intervals after a tempo than trying to do them at the start
0: okay got it I like that the sort of like speed play back and forth yeah and what about like a long run like what do you do on a long run to like spice it up I'm
1: (laughs) firstly I'm knowing what in New York to be really aggressive on my long runs I am very different uh as a coach in, a, in this one particular way, which probably not really many people agree with, but that is that if you're slower than a 3.30 marathoner, which is still really fast. So in other words, most people that if, say they want to break 3.30 for a marathon, which is eight minutes a mile, I have them run at their marathon pace on their long runs. I just find that people that are slower than a 3.30 marathon which is, as I said, nothing, this. just still really fast.
0: Mm-hmm. They just
1: have a harder time trying to run faster and, and maintain it over the marathon distance. So in other words, if, if they're running sort of 8:30 per mile and they want to try and run eight minutes per mile to, to, for the marathon, right. that doesn't normally happen. They don't have quite that, that pickup, uh, yeah. that ability to to hold it for the whole 26 miles. So, Yeah, that's something. So I have, that's why I'm very specific with the long run pace.
0: So how does it work? Do you keep them at their pace?
1: I don't have them run like on the, on the books on say Jack Daniels, or they have them on their long runs run a minute per mile slower than their goal marathon pace. Oh, okay. And I find that if they do that, they don't have the ability to hit their goal marathon pace and hold that for 26 miles. So I feel that if anyone running slower than 3:30 for a marathon, they really have to be training at their marathon pace. It's a war of attrition for them. It's a okay. basically hanging on to the pace. They can do it for a half marathon. They can pick up the pace, but to actually hold it for 26 miles, I find that it's just, I've had, I don't know, 12, 14 years of experience with all these running abilities now. Mm-hmm. And it's the same result. There's been a couple that have been able to do it, but I've always found that uh, that people that run uh, slower than 330 for a marathon need to run their um, marathon pace in their long runs. So they take their shorter runs easier.
0: Do you also have your athletes do mile repeats and Yazo 800s?
1: Yeah, so we run exactly faster paces and we do, we do speed, we do tempos, we do definitely faster paces. But as I said, that's the, main, that's the main difference is like most coaches will have them run a, a minute per mile slower. Although now with my faster guys, I can't have them run their marathon pace because right. uh, it's just too exhausting. But it's more I will for some parts of the run and, and I'll just break it down into a session. So, yeah.
0: that's cool that when i trained for the new york city marathon deborah actually trained me for it and she's amazing and she didn't have training at my marathon piece yeah she didn't have me do it slower no she had me training at my marathon piece like for the long runs great that was great i mean i am slow so it was it was my first marathon
1: that's great
0: it was a really interesting experience having trained for so many triathlons over the past like 10 12 years and then Training for a marathon and really focusing on running. It was good. It was like, you know, I liked it. I loved the training. The marathon crushed me. And one of the biggest takeaways for me out of all of this in the past like year of like training and doing the run analysis is that I've really in order to be a really good runner, you've gotta be strong. You've gotta have a good core and you've gotta do the strength training.
1: Yeah. It's huge. I wouldn't train anyone who doesn't do it. They know that (laughs) the people that have tried that are like, I just haven't got time for the strength training. And I'm kind of like, well, I'm really sorry, but let me know when you want to do it because you, you pride yourself on your results. And so it's, it's important. And I don't want to just anyone, it's just an injury waiting to happen without it.
0: Yeah, that's my, that's my plan now is strength training yeah. and running. Are you taking on new clients if anyone wants to train with you? Um,
1: yeah, no, totally. I, I'm uh, taking on a lot of any runners. I'm, Recreational,
0: I'm elite, professionals, yeah. all types of runners. Yeah. This has been awesome. Thank you, John. Thanks again awesome. for tuning Thank in you. to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social Money on the move one at gmail.com and let me know what you're enjoying what you want to hear more of if you have questions for our guests just reach out